Influencers, and welcome to this week's episode. How are <laughs> you? Yes, I I'm am good. so excited to start with all of this. So, well, I'm gonna work from home. Welcome to Artwork Play Podcast, your podcast for 10xing your subscribers and post engagements in the time of the pandemic. We all know that you're multi-passionate entrepreneurs. Uh, probably like us, you're hosting your own live stream tonight. It seems like uh, seems like that's what everybody's doing right now. Um, yeah. We have with us today uh, Specialist Kale is back on the couch specialist weir thank you very much my bad retired but uh you know i still hold the title (laughs) and we're gonna look at uh a kind of video game that is well you tell what it is um it's a game that uh ben and i worked on together um for an installation at a long winter event here in toronto like a monthly arts event and in the I, in the times before what's that yeah before in the times the time, before in the before times yes before, before the, the pandemic when we were still allowed to uh congregate in groups of more than 50 <laughs> uh we would actually go to these places called churches and uh, many different activities would occur there sometimes it was uh, acts of worship but in in this case it was acts of art and community <laughs> and that was why we were there yeah, um, we're going to play through this game and uh, listen to you guys tell us about what this game is, and then uh, um, uh, we can talk about what it's like to make art um, for those sorts of settings where you are at once both this the sort of like the thing that is supposed to be the draw for people to come to the show, but then also you're just sort of like wallpaper there for people to take selfies against, which is very much what the uh, sort of content of this video game is about too, is like uh, um, the sort of like spectacle of, of selfie culture and art, just based on what my, uh, uh, the, the little bit of playing of it that I've done so far and seeing what you're, uh, the like in- posts you're doing about it around the time. No, I think that's... What's the game called again? Kale doesn't know this, but I, I submitted the name Are We Having Fun Yet? Right. <laughs> Any questions about why uh, direct towards Ben? Any questions about how you direct towards me? Or <laughs> how or what you can direct towards me, but why is uh, is towards Ben? So something else that people should know is like... Uh, Something missing from this is that the night of the physical install, this being the digital version, uh, there was also like an ongoing kind of audio essay that was comprised of a bunch of uh, found material from uh, influencers from Instagram and YouTube and podcasts and that sort of thing. And so uh, every so often I'll be uh, sprinkling in 
those little sound bites uh, as kind of like bridges between different sections once we edit this into a podcast. Unfortunately for the Twitchers, uh, there'll be no, uh, <laughs> there'll be no, uh, that, that you won't have the benefit of that. So why don't you give us some context for the game? Sorry, I'm just posting the stream. Um, con- so um, there's a building called Workman Arts, which is, um, I, I don't know if it's a church or what. Um, I think it was a church. It certainly still has a chapel. It's a community space. There's like a gym. and So yeah, it's a community space where this event took place. And so I wanted to make a pretty rudimentary model of that space that you could run around in. And so that uh, people would feel good about being there in the communities. They, they could explore this virtual space that reflected their surroundings. Um, there's this really big hall where the, the bands play. There's like a stage and that's the room you're in right now. Um, it's got high ceilings. It's got a stage in the front. I think that, I think part of the idea was, uh, we were thinking about like what is successful in, these events which i kind of i think of this as being like a sort of uh community branded uh version of experience economy art and then i think something that we the conclusion that we came to or anyway i came to but i think you'll agree that it's true it's like the the stuff that's most successful at this is stuff that people can selfie in um yeah absolutely yeah but like that's a thing uh with art all art now sort of that is any art that is meant to drive attendance which at like uh any uh institution of any size is like all their main projects are meant to drive attendance it's going to have some selfie component to it (laughs) it's pretty much mandatory (laughs) and jonathan we used to do these events like when they first started coming up the long winter events um, do you remember that at the Great Hall? Yeah, that um, was like the first thing, art things that I did in Toronto. Yeah, and I feel like remembering that it's like there was similarities to some of the things that you had prepared. Like there were different booths where you would go and sit in front of a camera, um, or or whatever. But just back then, it didn't it didn't seem to have this necessarily like. Or, or maybe it was just the world in general didn't feel like it had this this selfie oriented, or or that like it it didn't feel like that was a necessary component of the works that you showed. It was definitely more about like experiencing things just for yourself, or maybe that's what I interpreted. Times have at, changed. Because, Times because I didn't have a uh, smartphone at, phone at that time. I don't think so. Maybe I just wasn't thinking about it like that. Well, it's interesting too, John. You're saying earlier about the overlap between. So if if we want to call this a, a version of uh, experience economy art, that art, art generally um, benefits from being uh, uh, photogenic, especially in the social media context. And I guess like apart from a number of artists selling a lot of their art on Instagram, it, it, it to me uh, having done, I kind of was connecting this to uh, influencer culture. Influencer is what we're calling them now, but that just one in a timeline of those words invented to describe celebrities who are first and foremost talented at utilizing new media. 
the linguistic evolution is taking zeitgeisty terminology from alluding to the dramatic to pinpointing the vanilla. In other words, we've gone from coveting the few to the many, or the iconic to the algorithmically induced. Which, because I had like this kind of like morbid fascination with um, influencer marketing, uh, and I saw it as being connected through the market-oriented drive of uh, influencer marketing and uh, experience economy art, uh, I began to do some research on it. And then the conclusion that I came to is that contemporary art entrepreneurs like exist very, very much in the same idiom uh, as influencer culture. And it's not just influencers referring to themselves as creatives and um, using a lot of the buzzwords of the art economy, but the feedback goes in the other direction too. And so it was a bit uh, arch being like, okay, so let's do this virtual thing where you can go in and take virtual selfies of yourself. Yeah, the you're, you have the these uh, two posable hands that look like your, your typical uh, first-person shooter uh, holding a gun hands, first-person perspective with hands sticking out. The arms I actually did rip out of Counter-Strike um uh but then i had to craft that selfie stick and i had to pose the hands um so that they looked like they were wrapped around it like that well you modeled this you modeled the selfie stick kale i did model the stick yes not the phone not the hands praise baby jesus because 2019 like what the heck was that you know i am ready for this just new energy and new stuff to work on and i feel inspired and i just love all of the feedback that we've been getting from you on what you're liking the fact that you're loving me opening up and being more vulnerable and just sharing more about me and my life and my business and really the intention behind all of that yes it's to inspire but more than that, it's to inspire you to take action so your life changes. And really, as an entrepreneur, you know, no matter where you're at in your journey, right? If you're just starting out with zero dollars in the bank, if you've been doing this for a while, you know that growth and sustainability are the key to really getting the influence and impact that you want out of life. And one of the things that I truly believe is the silent killer of truly living your life to the fullest is loneliness and isolation. And especially when it comes to trying to do something creative and to trying to grow a business, you need other people around you who understand what it's like, who can support you, who can lift you up, who can answer those questions, who can just remind you that you're not alone in this, right? And when you put yourself in a supportive, forward-moving, forward-thinking environment with people who are also committed to their journeys and committed to helping you, that's where you 5 to 20x the speed of your results and your success. It's happened in my own life. I've seen it happen in our various communities that we support, and you can get the support if you show up and want it. Okay, so um, we're back from that. We had a, we had a, some technical, uh, some sound glitches. And so uh, Ben thought it would be appropriate that he'd bring out his uh, Dora Award for oh, sound design. In theater. <laughs> that's what that is. <laughs> I was wondering what that was. <laughs> Nobody recognized the award that he was holding. Oh, in front she's of- beautiful. Oh, oh, beautiful. I just think it's funny that he's got the award, but whose tech are we using right now? Mine. It's not about. Is it bronze, Ben? Oh man, I don't know what it is. It's pretty heavy. I could definitely seriously injure Kale if he kept running his mouth. 
Okay. Well, Maybe brown. Then you wouldn't know how to get into my computer. <laughs> Where'd you get all your? Well, I guess there's enough white cloth to drink, but that's true. It's it's not it's not a it's not about who has the the means of production in this case. It's about who wields them. Oh. So, um, so uh, where were you? Okay, so so um, uh, we had started talking about influencer culture, and then we started talking about how the the way the game works. Um, so you cannot, you're, you're holding a selfie stick. We were talking about Kale having uh, taken the arms from a first person shooter game from, from Counter-Strike specifically. Yeah. And then, so walking around the game, you can find these uh, art installations that Kale has made and you can both take, uh, you can take a selfie with them in the, in the game itself so that you, you are looking at uh, the phone in the game that has a uh, front uh, a selfie cam on that's looking back at the uh, virtual you, which is actually a uh, a webcam of your face, and then whatever is behind you. But then also you can switch it so oh, that no. you are seeing the world from where the uh, uh, web the the iPhone is seeing. So right now, I guess because Jonathan's webcam is tied up in Discord, yeah. um, you'll see a black mm-hmm. rectangle there, and. When you're running the game normally, um, you'll see a webcam feed if you have a webcam plugged in. So you can you can do like a, a selfie cam uh, photo of you standing in front of all these objects that we've placed in the world. So the one that John's in front of now, this was this was a Kale We're original. Some of them are yeah. references, and some of them yeah. are a Kale We're original. This one's a Kale We're original. It was a very popular one. Uh, yes. So I don't want to keep referring to the to the physical one since we really here are exploring a question of uh, sharing a digital art space. But it's a it's a mounty. Will you describe it? Yes, it is. It's a a figurine of a mounty um, in in the same world as like an army. An army man, you know, from Toy Story. Uh, but it's, this ca- in this case, it's a Mountie, and it, it's been textured with a Canadian flag. <laughs> and there's a bunch of uh, knives and swords um, shoved into him. So this is when White Canada was uh, having an hysterical response to the railroads being blocked up as a protest against the pipeline and as, uh, as like um, a demonstration of uh, uh, First Nations sovereignty. Uh, and I think I think uh, it, it's funny to think of this as having any having the same sort of symbolic power. Uh, yeah, we were we were there on the ground making virtual art about it, <laughs> and it was yeah it was great because you know everyone wanted to you know show that they were showing their solidarity on social media both for good and ill. Uh, so we gave them an opportunity to do that. I don't know if we said this, but uh, at the physical installation, there was one wall which kind of showed the screen that uh, John is, it showed the the view that uh, is on our main screen on the Twitch. But then there was a secondary screen where uh, the selfies that were taken could be cycled through. And so over the course of the night, a number of selfies accumulated. Yeah, so if you take a picture, there's a little camera shutter sound. And yeah, so I have all the photos that everyone took. They're saved into a file. Actually, they oh no, they're gone now. <laughs> um, my computer crashed the other day, and this is one of the only files I got off of it. Just like oh uh, is like insisting upon certain ethics, uh, your computer crashing was insisting on the ethics of you not perving on the photos yeah, of all the. Truly, although there was there were no blue uh, images taken, so uh, I didn't have to worry about. Um, <laughs> 
one of Kale's friends, Patrick, came in and played it very early in the night, and he like immediately uh like went and found all the glitches and holes in Kale's game yeah. and then took pictures of the glitches and holes, like making <laughs> me screwy faces. Oh, it was great. That was that's exactly the person I'm making a game for. But yeah, so that all the photos would were saved to a file and then I had I made a max patch that would just cycle through randomly all the ones that were taken and shoot them up on the wall. So I would tell people that you if you start taking pictures here, um they'd be displayed eventually. So some people really like to take some people took many, many photos of themselves. Um, you know, just to get in the queue. It was like a very condensed version of the the feed, you know. That we're also accustomed to now. Yeah, I feel like that is the classic hack for any um, art installation that's to be presented at a venue like this is just make it so that it will show people's faces back to them. Exactly. Just like I'm fancy making mirrors. explicit the labor that they performed for me, <laughs> but it does benefit them. <laughs> Um, unfortunately you can't tag them in any way or there's no way to tag no people Uh, unfortunately i did not have the time to implement any algorithms or tagging functions into the system i did um tell some people like oh uh i can email the photos to you (laughs) if you leave your email but no one did (laughs) oh wow (laughs) yeah i mean privacy (laughs) yeah 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 it's, um, it's a yeah it's a private server and you need to sign up with your email address um uh, so john was just tr- stuck inside a cop car for a minute uh would you like to tell us about this particular installation that one is the worst one of all of them <laughs> that was um it was impossible to Im- import any co- like i i downloaded so many cop cars and none of them would import into unity which i'm sure what are you talking that's crazy. I, I have no idea. That is the only one, and it was it's the most fucked up. There's colliders on it, but you can still go inside it. And everyone was just <laughs> going inside in and be floor. like, oh, this one's broken. And I was like, yeah, okay. <laughs> no, it's not broken. You're broken. And you don't even, get it. Even like the lighting of that is all fucked up. And it's like, I have no idea why. Why <laughs> You see like the this little... siren-looking lighting? Well, no, that yeah, part's good, but if you, if you turn to your left, you see on the floor there... It's like that oh, pink light is a result of those two lights, and I have no idea why that happened. Well, I'll also um, offer a shortcoming here. I asked, I asked for a Kim Kardashian, and I asked for a Marina Abramovich, and apparently they we but had ben to pay for those. Ben knows nothing about this world, uh, so he he it was a big ask. No, it was like it would be equivalent to me saying, "Will you get Kim Kardashian to speak?" Uh, into your essay. Do you think that's a record her voice for your a fair equivalent? Or maybe it would be like, do you think you could get one of Kim Kardashian's like? It, maybe you could ask one of your friends if they had a, a recording of Kim Kardashian on their phone. <laughs> that's sounding closer. One of the things that I found it, it it doesn't feel like a big revelation to kind of like draw a connection between uh, influencers and the experience economy and the the art world because there is this overriding ideology of uh 
of being an entrepreneur, of being a, a like of grinding away, of being a, a gig worker. But one of the things that became clear to me through doing the research is, and, it, and, it, and it, the penny kind of dropped um, reading this book by Natasha Stagg called Sleeveless. Um, and she's kind of like a fashion writer uh, who also who who began doing fiction, and she has a um, she has a really good chapter on uh, influencer marketing, and she she kind of she she works in that. She's she's like a trend forecaster as well, I think. And she was saying that the uh, there's a difference between influencers and it girls in in that they're both aspirational figures, um, but influencers. Uh, the the major difference is that there's a normative trend with influencers. Um, the images that are presented have a lot to do with vacations and food and um, and uh, purchases like uh, luxury goods and that sort of thing. And it, and so it's not the je ne sais quoi that a celebrity or an it girl might once have uh, uh, offered the kind of like aspirational fan. The the influencer is offering. Uh, an algorithmic version of uh, normativity. The dream of influencer marketing is to make ads from potential posts created by the kind of person who knows how to make their friends and family jealous. The goal is to blend in completely, to deploy a truly personal aesthetic created by users themselves. The ideal user exudes an air that is aspirational but attainable. Her life is smoothed out and sunny, not overcomplicated with too many messages. She and her friends are just normal people having fun because of the products they've purchased. And I think that that is one interesting connection with brand-aware art, like what it means to have a, a core brand and to drive toward that. Uh, and I think that the, the, the one reason I like that this uh, game is kind of like asset core and, co and kind of like you can see the seams and see the, some of the failings. I think that aesthetically it kind of undercuts the the idea of being like okay well we're doing experience economy art and so we should do selfies and but what like the aesthetic itself kind of like uh ironizes that because it is it, it there is like a kind of normalizing trend in kind of submitting to selfie culture because there there isn't a, a received aesthetic um the like channels that selfies are shared on um, they all encourage, uh, turning yourself into a brand. That's right. Yeah. Um, which is, which was just like, maybe artists were just a bit more avant-garde <laughs> on that. Um, borrowing that practice from, uh, uh, corporations of like, being a brand yeah like andy warhol in his as artists practice. we're special and we see the world in a different way than other people we're kind of well weird. we just see things before other people see <laughs> we're on the ground uh on the front lines you want to talk about frontline workers you got to talk about artists yeah more. <laughs> especially artist in the times of coronavirus <laughs> it's it's so true yeah like being an artist is like you're walking through a, an orchard and the orchard is the orchard of the zeitgeist and you're picking fruit off the trees and you and, don't even uh, know what the fruit is yet. You don't know if it tastes good, but you got to taste it's it. 
and tell people it's underripe. If it's good. <laughs> I don't know. I just make performance art where I sneeze in other people's faces right now, and it seems to be going pretty well. <laughs> I I just found the that aspirational quality and the uh, and I, I'm influ- I'm interested in the influencer thing because it do- it seems like a lot of influencers are like not they're they're precisely not trying to do the the th- like if if you guys are talking about uh artists tr- seeing slightly ahead of the curve and I think that's I know that's all tongue in cheek but and it's a bit of a dubious claim but I do think that artists are trying to do something different but I think what's interesting about influencers is they're precisely not I think of like Elliot Rogers who's that the first big incel guy the supreme gentleman oh. Yeah, he like there's one way of reading him where he's looking at social media and developing all these expectations around the sort of normativity that's offered him through the algorithm, through social media and saying that's my expectation, that's what I'm entitled to and because that fails, I have all this right to have all this rage. Um, or the the only way that I can achieve influencer status is by becoming a mur- like a mass murderer, right? Um, but he just wanted to live. He just wanted to fuck and be loved, but also to <laughs> fuck. I think that was yeah. Did In he, his monstrous kind I, of like I suburban. I didn't read his monologue, but I want. I I hope there's something in there about Instagram. And not just his about is more YouTube, and oh, and, and in okay. that sense, like and and uh, YouTube is like obviously a very huge enclave for yes, but but yeah. the, the the overlaps are crazy. Like the 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 that uh, that thing that I said earlier about uh, being a multi passionate entrepreneur. <laughs> I know that you are a multi passionate entrepreneur. You are an influencer and a digital developer and a marketer and a designer and so many things. What that is really describing is being the sort of person who makes her own videos, uh, edits together her own fonts, chooses her own uh, colors, all of that sort of, like despite being self-quarantined. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it but it is describing being a new media artist. It is describing being a contemporary artist and having to the uh, you know, it's the same grind. Like you have to be exactly. a video editor and yeah. A publicist. If you want to put out a record, you have to do. Yeah, all to be things. a musician, you have to be a publicist. But the, but, like, but Tough Guy Mountain was often doing that too, like having to create all the little bits and bobs, the the print material and the t-shirts and the. Which was why it was good that there were so many people, because it's like, well, you know, Johnny's good at X and at X, and Cat's good at Y, and all yeah. the rest of the stuff. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> exactly. Johnny makes a video game. Oh, I Kat see the does comment. The rest Kat's of the stuff. <laughs> Um, Cat builds the streaming audience. <laughs> <laughs> I, the, well, the, uh, part of the um, it uh, it's like every the everything becoming abstracted by the the fact that it all ends up on the same platform, whether you're a uh, an artist or an influencer or like a small business or whatever, it's all going on to Instagram. And so uh, that's sort of like, yeah. um, it abstracts it in that you're all using, basically you're all doing the same thing, even though uh, you could qualify it as being different things, or at least like things that make different amounts of money for you, have different returns. Um, but yeah, I think it's interesting that, like you were saying, Kale, that the, sk- the skills are all the same, no matter what you're doing. I 
earlier i when before people could hear you on stream i couldn't hear you that good either so i i'm not sure if you already touched on this but i think you were mentioning something ben just about like artists being like a model for the kind of the normalization of gig work and um the like the self-branding and the self um this the constant need to like re re um reassess like your brand and, and your work and your like your life as practice essentially um I've I really started to see that <laughs> there was there's so many posts of course in quarantine where it's like now are, I'm getting I'm getting these ads where it's like oh you're like quarantined now it's this time you can take this online course yeah um and of course these sort of online courses not the paid ones but just like the like whatever lynda.com or like the free version of that courses being the things that like taught us a lot of the skills right uh in art school that we like or like that we use to teach us the skills that we use then refined in art school and didn't actually learn in art school but like they're the same it's the same um it's the same uh production I, <laughs> all the skills i learned were not or like all the skills i still all the software I still use now, I did not learn in art school, but just learned from watching YouTubes. Yeah, same. Yeah. YouTube or on forums. But but I think, Kat, it's not even necessarily... I think that artists are like a good cover for the brand, but I think the thing that I began to see is that it the gig work and uh, uh, people trying to build... Uh, uh, build uh, followers, trying to build uh, an audience not even necessarily as influencers and then uh, artists themselves uh, it all begins to fall under this aegis of all or under this umbrella of uh, an entrepreneurial grind that we've kind of and we've kind of absorbed the the entrepreneurial entrepreneurial uh, truth like we've accepted that as a big t truth that being an entrepreneur is like an aspirational achievement or- yeah yeah and then so and then it's and then those the advertisements that you're talking about are uh sort of selling it back to us and one way it's sold mm-hmm. back to us is as the potential for a career another way it's sold back to us is as self-betterment um but it but it all comes down to the same thing kind of like compulsively uh trying to work and present yourself as working the thing I one thing that made uh, that another thing that made a penny drop for me was listening to a talk by uh, David Hickey, uh, who's an art critic who I had hadn't uh, encountered before, but uh, he was talking about the glut of contemporary artists that we see as being connected to uh, an Americanization of the art economy, precisely around Pollock and Warhol, and saying that that is when America woke up to the fact that. A, it could lay claim to that sort of like, uh, what do you want to call it, canonical art or a kind of like uh, an art that has leaves a, a global uh, imprint. And in laying claim to it, doing something expressly American to it. And he, he describes that as um, uh, applying supply-side economics to the art world. And he connects that to the growth of arts institutions and he connects that to the growth of um, uh, philanthropical art institutes that uh, keep artists working but don't necessarily keep them living. And he talks about 
the 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 word creativity in connection to art and then he says that this isn't an art word uh, creativity is not an art word it's a business word and and a lot of us have have forgotten that or like we we we've kind of accepted that creativity is a word for artists uh, and and he says this this is this is a term that ought really to stay within the business world tried pretty hard or as hard as they could to kill artists you know, and to destroy them and to embarrass them and to make fun of them and to laugh at them. And, you know, they tried to really to make the arts go away. And then when they didn't go away, by the mid-1960s, when it's pretty sure, you know, it's pretty well established that we have a going thing in the art world, when they couldn't kill us, they decided to claim us. Those are our artists, every one of them. They're all Americans. That Jackson Pollock, that's called all over painting. That's a miracle. We're all over fucking everything. And well, if we're going to embrace the arts, we have to support the arts. You know what I mean? And the best way to support the arts, since we're all uh, businessmen, we know that supply side economics is what works. And the way you run supply side e economics is you encourage the sources of art. The more sources of art there are, the better odds that there will be good art out there. So all of a sudden, we start encouraging artists, you know, hand over fist. And it uh, didn't work any better than anything else ever did. But we, and we didn't give any thought to the fact that supply side economics is a murderous and ruthless concept. What it means, we get a million people to try and 900,000 of them go broke. That's supply side economics. Do you understand how suicidal that is? You're going to, to, to destroy all of the money your mother and dad have ever put together. And the thing is, you got all of this support to keep you out there. And the reason you got support is because here in America, we value creativity. And Dick comes up there and he says, this nation will survive on its creativity. It will it'll be, it'll be founded and continue on the ability of people like us to create the new world. And my job here is to free your creativity to express itself. Okay, gee, never heard that before. But my point here is that creativity is not an art word. It's not an art word. It's a business word. Creativity is a way of multiplying the sources of art so we make sure we have a good quantity of respectable art and uh, we don't kill everybody in the process or quite everybody in the process. So we have this, this whole cult of creativity. Now, how do I know it's a cult of creativity? Because I talk to these people because I'm not a snob or a snot. Well, yeah, but I talked to them anyway. No, artists are entropic. <laughs> <laughs> well, I do think that I do think what the joke that you were making earlier about artists uh, ha having this uh, 
this little bit extra that like where they think that where they think they're slightly different or slightly special or see slightly before or you know see slightly differently i don't i i think that is grounded in something sort of true i was trying to think about why experience economy art irks me uh and i think there is i think that it's precisely artists being deployed as technicians that that I find upsetting. So it'll be like, let's do a Stanley Kubrick art party. And then it's like, okay, so we'll get a projectionist to put uh, the Here's Johnny up on the wall. And then we'll uh, make some materials and and do some projection mapping. And then maybe we'll get somebody to paint a mural. And then we'll hire an actor to run around screaming. And all of those things hire artists, undeniably. But the it doesn't, it's not getting artists to do what artists do qua... Uh, asking questions or pu- pushing formal limits it's 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 hiring artists as technicians and so and so if you think of artists as stirring emotion which i think is one thing artists do then fine yeah then that's art but i think actually a lot of the stuff that we think about when we think about good art does something more than just stir emotions and i think that's when especially with experience based art people tell on themselves they're like oh it's just it's it's like so you know i just like i felt like i was actually touching a tree you know like i felt like i was really in a movie and and i mean that's 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 a thing you've achieved an effect but is that like an, a technical accomplishment or is it doing whatever that um alchemy is that we think about when we think about a successful artwork well, there's like it's just like that's the only way to make money as an artist or to have audience is by making that sort of uh, work, um, like the like the like meow wolf or whatever. Yeah, that that's one of the people is. who me and Kale talked. That one of the groups that me and Kale talked about when we were making this. Actually, I think Kale was looking at some of the meow wolf stuff. Whoa, 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 whoa. no, my my art was wholly <laughs> original. I looked at uh, you know three or four photos of this meow wolf person's uh art and uh i left it at that let me just say mr wolf if you're listening <laughs> i'm not interested i'm not buying what you're saying <laughs> mr wolf no you hey it sounds like you a just wolf make... in sheep's clothing to me you know what time it is mr wolf <laughs> you just make no kale you just make t- completely original uh king cruel inspired uh fan yeah so art. um it was this is a specialty there's a, room. There's a, I'm in this. Uh, I'm in a King Cruel room. So a, a room I'm sure. that has a bunch of uh, paintings of King Cruel. I was wondering what this was. <laughs> so the event that we presented this work at, um, it just happened to fall on the same day that the new King Cruel album came out, and I was really excited for it. And because Kale's an artist, and so you drew all these pictures of him. I didn't draw them, but I found them on Tumblr. But I wanted to do a virtual virtual listening party for the new album. Oh. And um, <laughs> so, yeah, if you were feeling tired at this event, you could just go and sit in the King Cruel room and just, and feel, <laughs> feel something real, you know, not like all this just other fake sort of, art bullshit. Just the sort of idiosyncrasy people have come to expect from a Kale Weir project. Exactly. Like this, if it was nothing else other than this room, I would be completely happy with it. Well, I think it's also funny because the night that we did it was like the night the album came out and then Kale and I were talking about going to the show, which has definitely been Corona canceled. Yeah. And so (laughs) So this is all we get. We'll be right back. 
Visit jobschangeus.com to see the living proof. It's a little Banksy. And don't forget, you are bold, you are brilliant, you are beautiful. Yeah, we'll see how long... I sort of wonder which way it's going to go with um, the sort of <laughs> pushing everyone towards being an entrepreneur if we're quarantined for months now. Um, whether, because you could, I could imagine one future where it's like, no, like people who are like uh, these, like, I don't know, whatever the f- fuck, like uh, ideology, self-motivated, uh, pull themselves up by their bootstraps, Rise and grind. Uh, entrepreneurs. Yeah, rise and grind, uh, 10x, all that stuff. P90x. Um, <laughs> if that, like, that, you could see a way in which that would be a very um, salient uh, when everyone else is being laid off uh, because we can't get together and work anymore. Yeah. But then at the same time, if those people, if nobody has, who knows how people like these, these sorts of people are just grifting their way into money anyway a lot of the time but i know it's I funny it's because it's like that there's like zero difference between that and like an artist or you know like well, the model of an artist yeah um because like the this the rise and grind thing it's like that's just that is also just a brand that is sexy you know that people want to pose with um that you know that i'm an entrepreneur that yeah like while well, you all sleep and i'm grinding kind of shit um <laughs> And yet, so so when you bring up this, it's like, I wonder, will that attitude maintain through this period of of isolation or will it kind of die out? Or at the end of it, will we have a bunch of like super soldiers, um, both artists and <laughs> entrepreneurs? Like since we have all this time to brush up on our Adobe Creative Suite skills for $39 instead of $1,143 or whatever <laughs> it was before for the full class. The, I, the, the utopian well, vision is that some form of UBI has to be introduced as we realize this is going to take three months instead of one or six months instead of three. And so I know, John, you and Kat were uh, like... You got Nick Snare check in to talk to talk about UBI. Is that right? You can refresh me on that. But Nick Cernick. Cernick, that's right. Nick Sircheckian. Uh, Sir Chekhov. <laughs> I think. And, and, uh, Sir Nick Chekhov. Sir Nick. And so the famed playwright of the Cherry Orchard. He uh, and so I think part of that utopian vision was you get everybody on UBI and then it opens people up for um, creative labor and. Uh, care work and in a certain sense that is it seems like that's very much in the cards i also think um while some people have had success on digital platforms previously that we are seeing already people experiment like john you're pointing out before we started recording that we are one of three or four podcasts within our own circle who are doing this tonight if you're on instagram there are people like the live function is way uh, being put to use far more uh, and, uh, popping off. Actually. Yeah. I would say it's, it's <laughs> yeah. And, and, and I find myself more willing to engage with that. Like generally speaking, I don't give a shit about the live stuff or, and I don't think you would like, I think you've been enjoying doing your zoom. Yeah. I've been streaming with my friends the past couple of days and or just like, just, you know, digital hangout, not even streaming with a purpose, but just, just shooting the shit and, you know, instead of going to a party, we all 
It was St. Patrick's Day yesterday, so we had a St. Patrick's Day party on webcam. He was a culture. He was, he was appropriating my culture. Actually, exactly. I was in the kitchen w- getting drunk by myself, like a proper Irishman. Implies that I was actually interested in it. I I thought of it more as just like a shitting on the Irish culture. Actually, <laughs> raising um, awareness about the Irish problem. <laughs> yeah. Although the the guy running the stream, his name's Patrick, and he, you know, so. Oh, that's cool. Uh, Sounds like a that's shill something. to me. Well, more Irish than you. Um. <laughs> the. Yeah, because the pe- like the people who are the rise and grind ten xers, <laughs> like what their their content is is like, um, it's like is this uh, in the art world or just like the influencer world? No, I'm talking. Yeah, I'm talking about like entrepreneurs. Oh, okay. Which is a thing that influences artists and is influenced by artists. Yeah, but like what their their content is like. Uh, ebooks that tell you how to get into drop shipping, or like now apparently the new thing is like, um, uh, o- like online classes that you c- pay money for that teach you how to get other people to pay money for your online. Yeah, for your <laughs> so yeah. online like- classes. It's very uh, like it's 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 it it very much turns in on itself. The one thing I listened to that I found very moving was uh, uh, these two women talking about. Um, learning to take time off of posting on YouTube because they learned that if you take time off of YouTube, uh, you, your followers dip. YouTubers who've done this for so long, when you've built something for 10 years, it's an empire when you've built an empire. There's no security in it. And as amazing as it is to be able to buy a Tesla or a Lamborghini or a house or whatever, literally in a week, I could be everything gone. could change. Yeah. Literally, I could get a lawsuit tomorrow and I could have to move out of my house. Yeah. Like there's so many little things that you're just like, you, there's absolutely no security in what we do. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why it's so hard because the stress from that is so overbearing that people don't realize that. I was thinking, okay, I have no, I have nothing tangible that's long-term other than views. At that time, I had never seen anyone on YouTube take a break and it not hurt them. Yeah. No one. From a viewer standpoint, someone doesn't upload for a month. They come back and say, I'm sorry, I've just been busy. They're gone another month. And then the next thing they know, like their channel's done. Like they've burned it to the ground and then they try to make a comeback later being like oh no I want to do YouTube mm-hmm. and then they're done like people don't care anymore people move on so quickly and they like so fast your biggest fans will turn on you the quickest no you don't understand like you can't stop because if I don't upload this week and that turns into two weeks the next thing I know me coming back like people won't care what they're talking about in the context of that episode now they're talking about losing their houses and they're talking about losing their expensive cars but what they're talking about is being just a few uh, shitty posts away from losing their source of income, which hashtag girl boss hashtag girl, But then there's like a and 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 again and I'm not um, I'm not trying to make fun of this, but uh, there's you literally have one of the uh, speakers talking and uh, weeping and 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 being like. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm like afraid of losing my job. And then the other woman goes, well, it sounds like you're self-actualizing in some other way than through your followers. That's really great. You want to know something? Yeah. I think that's finding validation within yourself and not putting on your views. Oh my God, it is. I think that's it. Just being burnt out in general, especially like with artists and like the creative world. Like when you see an, a musician, you know, they come out with an album. They don't come out with another one 
two seconds later. Unless you're Ariana Grande for some Unless reason. Unless you're Ariana Grande. <laughs> Which, thank you. Exciting. Thank you, Nick. <laughs> and it, and it, on the, uh, from the outside, it seems like a bad satire. But but I think from within the universe, it's like, well, this is just this is just a truth. It's just like another form. It's like, I don't think there's any evil uh, mastermind behind it, but it's like this economy reproduces like economies and and social media is it seems inherently uh to turns out precarious gigs even for the aspirational influencer figures who have what they would call their empires you know yeah it's like the only thing you have to produce is more of your own job like that's all that these that's it, whether you're like the rise and grind entrepreneur or um or any anybody who's like selling their brand on social media you're just trying to reproduce more of yourself it's like it's sort of social reproduction but, <laughs> like, but it's yeah but it's with the, with the twist because it's like so reflexive that's why kim kardashian is such a unique figure in this because she starts taking selfies and selfies being an important uh, applying makeup uh dressing in expensive clothing she starts doing that even before smartphone technology gets to where a you can take pictures that you would share with people on a smartphone and b where there's image-based uh platforms that exist and then so much of her popularity so much of her brand is about reproducing her own image and monetizing that image i think we know what it's actually about People say the sex tape, but I think no, like, no, no, no. Well, that that's an extension of it, maybe. Right. We know what aspect of her that people are interested in. Well, and I mean, not not to make the obvious point, but so much of those aspects are themselves like manicured, produced works of mm -hmm. art. Yeah. But she, but she is, but she is an interesting figure because she is a brand that arrives from her from reproducing herself as brand and then documenting that reproduction. The demand is not so much for a Kardashian woman's thoughts, but for her crafted image, the behind the scenes quality that is part of the overall scheme. She shows her viewers the process of constructing and then selling herself step by step. Consequently, we see that our appetite for a narrative of transformation informs the demand for a surface. Where on the matrix of art, artist, art critic, and muse does Kim fall? With her Mona Lisa smile and sculpted form, she carries herself as a work in progress, crediting makeup artists and stylists, photographers, hairdressers, assistants, fashion designers, doctors, and her husband with constructing her. She is performance and pastiche. She is appropriation and ready-made. She is a factory superstar. She's not exactly the Marilyn Monroe of our time, as Kanye suggested, but maybe she's more like Marie Antoinette, unexpected, obliviously reckless, and destined for demise. She's like neither, really, but she's also like both. She's an easy emblem of an era. The era being, of course, late capitalism. The thing about influencer culture that I find really interesting is it's totally post-sellout. There aren't sellouts in influencer culture, and th and that's not an anxiety in influencer culture. Like you, people in influencer culture pretend that they have ads. They'll be like, "Oh yeah, uh, thank you, Adidas," and then Adidas is like, "No, nah, man, we didn't give you anything." Thanks, White Claw. Uh, well, we, well, this is a good time to thank our sponsor. <laughs> I want to thank uh, White Claw and Jewel. <laughs> Vibe. Uh, sellout. Sellout is the like the epitome of the uh, 
the boomer, uh, no, Gen the X. Gen X thing, right? Yeah. Is like not wanting to be a, a sellout. But I yeah. think artists, um, artists have that thing too. Like even like a, even like um, a Damien Hurst begins life like archly relating to money. I think Warhol was just like, I want to make money. I think Salvador Dali was like, I want to make money. But I think uh, gen- generally speaking, there is this real suspicion of, uh, like the, I mean, it's, and I do think it's part of art's brand, but, but there does seem to be at least manners toward there being such a thing as selling out. I think there's like amongst musicians and and whatnot. There maybe that's there what I'm is, confusing. Well, it. there is still a resistance towards selling out, but it's like, but that's just a, like a historical context for the culture. Whereas, mm-hmm. like, yeah, I don't want to sell out, but check out my Instagram live video um, of my band, or like, you know, do you want to buy my my shit on SoundCloud or Bandcamp or whatever? It's like it becomes now a part of. Like since it is just a part of the model of being an artist yeah. or a musician, mm-hmm. it's yeah. like you're you are yeah. still selling out, but it's just it's like you don't even think about it in the same, or or you're just forced to think about it in a way where it's not selling out, but it's just being an artist now. Even like yeah, like what in in the case of if in the case of like visual art, um, I think like the transition towards. Um, like post having all your art sort of like postable or presented like presentable online is it could be something that or even ma- perhaps manicured for uh like dissemination online so that it, more people are being able to see it um like that's sort of a that's that's a that's a marketing strategy that could kind of overlap with what could be considered selling out but it's also just like a survival tactic and how do you get something that's visual to stand like visually based like to stand out in um all the other images that people are seeing so um but but it's like a question of the wall instead of what's on the canvas kind of thing like it's it's like you know i have a really nice golden frame so you're more likely to look at the the paint that's on the canvas as opposed to just you know the one that's completely bare that right. might have a great work on it but the the selling out that we're doing is like selling out to the platforms that we need to use to share our stuff yeah yeah and i think it's something that i have only recently become aware of is that basically any time that you're on your social media and you're like hey come check out my twitch stream hey Go listen to my podcast, uh, listen to my record, come to my show. Every time you're doing that, you're doing an advertisement. And th- sure, maybe that's not how you intended. You're just like, these, these are my sorrows that I've turned into notes. But, it, but, it, but it, you're essentially uh, playing alongside advertisements. And it's because of the context, it is fundamentally uh, an advertisement. But then the advertisements are also self-aware and they see that you're trying to advertise, so they push you down further. Yeah. I think a lot of these anxieties, um, or maybe not anxieties, but I I feel uh, a, a, some sort of vague remembrance of like when all the talk about like post-internet art, sort of right. like, like in 2012 or 2013, like 14 that sort of era of like when people were really trying to wrap their heads around that idea um 
like art made for being viewed on the internet, I think became like a, <laughs> a, a, a consensus for what the definition of that to be viewed on the internet or, or, or whatever. Like it does like, cause again, like certain people like Artie Vierkant or whatever had images that looked images doctored for Instagram or, uh, of his art or his installations or one kind of like had a, a dialogue between what he was uploading online versus what was going into the gallery space. And they were, there's supposed to be a very, uh, there's supposed to be a lot of dynamism between those two, uh, like those two worlds. Hmm. Um, but I, yeah, I feel like it was something, th these sorts of concerns ha ha were sort of digested, not digested fully, uh, perhaps, spit out um uh, uh when pe when more people just when more artists were flocking to uh the like platform social media platforms in order to promote themselves because of what was like an economic necessity at the time but it wanted like the, the art world wanted to talk about it as a movement as something kind of like unique to art or uh, something that art was uniquely processing, but it was right. it was also just like what everybody else was doing at that time, which was like, oh, this is something that is might allow me to put uh, food on the table. <laughs> to be a part of the conversation. Of course, then. Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. That post-internet discourse, I want in. <laughs> I wonder if that's just how uh, art movements work in general, because most of the ones that we know about, we only we've only read about and didn't experience so right. it's like maybe half of the shit that was made you know it's like it's just people trying to catch up and you know not be left behind well like future like italian futurism that you know embraced fascism it was it was a it was an economic um them trying to go from like an agrarian fairly agrarian culture to embracing everything modern and modernist which also happened to include fascism in that the new form. modern idea uh yeah a lot like there is there is some issues of of seeing art of using art history as a way to digest history um but they are like artists do tend to um like <laughs> it do tend to reflect on uh, their other their the outside world so it's not like a it's not the worst way it's not the worst way of analyzing history especially if you're more of an image-based learner uh, a visual learner it helps I really think that's the, I think that especially, especially artists, but anybody trying to do something that isn't trying to tap into a popular voice that really zeroes in on the, the, the line that there is to walk, which is to say, on the one hand, you have to figure out how to stay relevant. And right now that means having a brand, adhering to your brand and knowing that your brand will probably do more work or at the very least as much work as the actual thing that you're producing. Um, and so you can choose to keep up with that and invest in that, or you can push back in different aesthetic ways. I think, um, John, I talked about this in relationship to your work, especially when you're going for more asset core, or just like landing where you land with um, some of your games. Can I interrupt for, for a second? Yeah. 
Did you guys teach him the word asset core? No, that's a Ben thing. Because asset core feels like the new precarious. Just <laughs> from hanging out with me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I just wondered if it, he got it for you two. No, that's okay. no. It's because it sounded like it might have been a John. Word. If you must know, it's Bennett Foddy. It's my friend Bennett Foddy. I was talking to my friend Bennett Foddy the other day. You have friends that aren't me. No, no. Good. <laughs> uh, satire parody. Um, uh, but yeah, it seems like that's the line to walk. The line to walk is you you keep up, and then you can gain whatever traction you can off of keeping up, or you resist and then risk. Uh, you know, toiling away in anonymity. Um, I'm judging by the body language of having brought Sam into the fray that we've come to the end of our episode. No, Sam was just screaming. He's he's not taking well to quarantine because when we're home, it means playtime. I, I was going to say we should do two more things. We should do our plugs and our sign-off, and then I think you and... Kale should just play guitars. Yeah, you, no, no, he's gonna play. If you're gonna play, flute, yeah, get out that flute, flute, and I got my uh, electrics upright bass. <laughs> well, <laughs> what is there to plug? We're becoming uh, prof- we're professional we're- streamers. We're gonna be getting paid uh, to stream. We'll be uh, by uh, the government, pretty much. Yeah, we'll be adding Can- Justin Trudeau. Um, every time we go live, uh, so you should you should just we don't have the uh, exact information for that yet, but take uh, just keep your eyes peeled I'm sort of thinking on the that it, it'll Instagram. Prob- it'll probably be next week that yeah. we'll start some. Yeah, but we'll we'll put we'll put links um, we'll put links in social media so people can um, tune in. Does this mean that as streamers you've sold out since yeah. the government is paying you to do it? <laughs> Whoa! No, this is this is um, the new form of UBI. Oh. It's UBI, but only for streamers. <laughs> but but if you've noticed, that's going to be a lot of people yeah. going forward. So <laughs> the new welcome to the new economy. <laughs> but but um, yes, please wash your hands my, uh, and stay inside. My plugs is that social distance. I didn't really have any shows coming up until later in the year. Anyways, there was one at the end of April. It's but it might be canceled too. Um. I I might get back into streaming too. I don't remember what my Twitch username is, so you won't be able to find me. But if you know who I am, I'll post it on my my socials. Oh, and I have a a band yeah. called Tax Haven. That Dot. released a record recently. I released a record recently. Uh, what else do I say, Ben? Just, just like Constru- for a limited time, actually on Bandcamp, any artists who have records on Bandcamp, all the proceeds are going to the artist Bandcamp's not taking any cut and so Kale just put out um, uh, Rave Death Experience yes and you can go and listen to it and if you like it you can help Kale buy more White Claw because he lost his job but of of all the works (laughs) that I do which are mostly annoying and you don't really need to listen to all the way through this is the most acute example of that (laughs) I don't know. I liked it when I listened. Thank to you. Yeah, it's a good record. I like it too. I, Thank you. I told I told Messrs. Kell when I did. I I waked and baked and then listened to it. No, and this, it was, that's that was a different a, record. You told me that like three years ago. 
<laughs> no, no, he really? just said no, it no, no, again. No, this is the most recent. Okay, okay. he yeah, just yeah, has yeah, an yeah. auto yeah. response for you exactly. anytime you put out a yeah, record. Like, <laughs> last time I pulled, Google, it, you're Google like, oh, offers I it. To this one I was really high and it was off. <laughs> but, I mean, when we're talking about John, that it seems like that could be true anytime he's. <laughs> um, John, you also have records on uh, Bandcamp. That the this is the last time I'm going to do it, but I want to plug. Uh, the four sisters podcast which um uh perhaps not surprisingly has seen an uptick and listens uh i think in part because people are home but also because it's about how the podcast is is a kind of a fictionalized account of what it is to be a poor or marginalized person in the midst of a plague so um Go, please, and listen to uh, Four Sisters podcast. You can listen to it on SoundCloud or on Apple by searching those words. We'll also put links for all these things in the show notes. Uh, Is uh, it uh, the numerical version of Four? That's or a good question. It's Four the, the Word, okay. Sisters the Word, podcast, that's numerical. Pod- okay, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, it's like Leet Speak. Yeah. Also, gas is seventy nine point nine cents right now, so you should buy some. That's a plug I have. Yeah, I was I was legit. We were watching this uh, BBC show from the seventies that was sort of about like how uh, little we know about all the things that support our life around us, all the technology that we require to survive, and the 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 premise of the episode we watched was like. If you were, if everything were to fail us, the one thing that you could sort of rebuild civilization by knowing how to use would be a plow. <laughs> um, uh, that because that's sort of the thing that kickstarted the agricultural. Hey, anyway, I know how to drive one, a tractor. After watching, or it, I know how to drive tractor. <laughs> Not tractor is plural. But can you drive a tractor with no gasoline? Yeah. Well, when, well, after watching that show, I was like, oh, I should maybe we should buy enough gasoline that we could like drive back uh yeah. east <laughs> where you could find that a we plow. could get back to toronto they don't or, have plows or, uh, in saskatchewan well sir jam time now yeah now it's a story it's time fun. no no now you get your axe oh. wait um so ben played a show recently and it was one of the last social events that i went to i think like the on the the 11th that one uh, I don't remember when it was. It was last Wednesday? Last Wednesday, yes. Last yeah. Wednesday was the 11th. And yeah. we got on the bus late at night <laughs> to go home. And the bus takes us back uh, uh, past the um, the hospital at Bathurst and Dundas in Toronto uh, City, Ontario, Canada. And we get on the bus and we're waiting there. And then this woman walks on and starts talking to the... Full the of dr- glee. Yeah, yeah, she's like having a great like just like leaning on her elbow, like on the thing, just talking to the driver, and she's like, "Yeah, yeah, well, I'm going to the hospital because I got coronavirus, and you know, so yeah, I'm that's what I'm doing." And then she got off the bus, and and the and the bus driver's just sitting there at a full green light, not moving it, and then he like announces to the bus, like, "He's like, damn, that lady just said she has the virus." No, he said, he said. I hope she's joking. <laughs> and then we had a really nice moment of like community of, yeah. uh, you know, someone was just like, I hope she was joking. And then we were like, oh, yeah, 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 I bet she was. And then, you know, a few of us were just talking. And this was in the before time when it was like, oh, I've, I've heard of coronavirus, but it's uh-huh. in China, right? How about beer? Huh? Yeah. Like, oh, we're drunk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> little did we know. So maybe we're carriers. Positive vibes only. I like that. Positive vibes only. Mm-hmm. 